Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. Uh, Well, that's the intro that I love to hear so much. We are, believe it or not, in the last couple episodes of our time together this semester slash season, uh, and we are beginning the process of wrapping up our our themed discussion of health uh, and the body and the role that relationships can play in our perception uh, and wellness and things like that. And so today we have a very interesting topic. Uh, specifically, we're going to be going over mental health and how mental health can impact our relationships and vice versa. And to help me do that is uh, one of the newer members of the communication department, Dr. Alicia Booth. Thank you for being in the booth, which I hear is named after you. Yes, it definitely is. Yeah. Yes. Despite its inception in 2019 and your arrival here just this past semester, I believe that to be true and I'm manifesting it. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So today, the central theme that we're going to be talking about broadly is, you know, mental health, stigma, stereotypes, and of course, relationships. Uh, In order to do that, we definitely need to give our listeners a better idea of who we're talking to. So could you just give us maybe your your elevator speech on, on kind of who you are and your academic lineage? Yes, absolutely. So I most recently graduated from Washington State University in Pullman, Washington with my doctorate in communication. And within that, I focused my dissertation specifically on mental health, masculine norms, and Marvel. I'm sure I'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast as well. (laughs) Um, And then I also have my master's from Washington State University and my bachelor's from Carroll College. Awesome. Awesome. And so uh, I I thought that in this unique season, because normally we're super interpersonal focused, but I've been trying to expand a little bit. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here because it's it's a perfect fit because mental health is one of those things that we've kind of like alluded to on this show, but never really unpacked properly. So let's get into it. Let's do it. My first question is, and I, I think that this is a question that we often overlook when we talk about mental health, we just sort of like assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. But I don't want to make that assumption. I want to come in with a proper understanding of the phenomenon that we're uh, you know, going over today. So my first question is, what does or what can the term mental health uh, apply to when we're talking about things like well-being, health, and the body? Yes, that is something major to unpack. So (laughs) let's start with the fact that mental health encompasses all emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It is all aspects of how we think, feel, and act. And the reason that I started focusing on mental health, I want to give a little background on that. Um, Back at Washington State University, there was a football player, Tyler Holinsky, who committed suicide in January of 2018. And we had had a huge winning season at that point in time, so we were all very shocked by his sudden death um, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And so that was my starting point as to why um, I wanted to focus more specifically on mental health and with college students, mm-hmm. which is where we are at today. And so within that mental health discovery, I also wanted to consider the different masculine norms and how that can potentially play into the different impacts of society. As I mentioned, you know, the social mm-hmm. societal expectations that are there. And then we'll tie Marvel in later. But um, <laughs> focusing on the question at hand, mental health is 
still considered a disorder, but it doesn't get the same recognition as other disorders that are out there. And so um, depression is one that's talked about most frequently, and it's considered to be more manageable because it's not a physical illness. You can't see mm. the differences of someone actually um, suffering with a broken leg, for example. You don't see right. the wheelchair or the crutches. So it's something that people can hide very well, but you also, again, have that emotional, physical toll that does eventually impact you, how you're going to be socially interacting with your partner and your friends and being successful in your education as well. Right. It reminds me of um, one of my mentors when I first got here, Dr. Alvarado, who I know you know. Yes. Uh, she once called me on the phone. We were just chatting and catching up. And she was like, remind me, do you suffer from depression or anxiety? <laughs> Which one of the two is it? And it was just like such a, oh, yeah, that's right. Like everybody has these issues that we often tell ourselves either only apply to us or aren't a big deal and no one else is going through them. And the more that we recycle that trope, the the less we can relate to each other in terms of those mental health experiences. And so, you know, you talk about that the, the unfortunate situation where that athlete took his own life. It, it makes me think of like famous other athletes mm -hmm. like Simone Biles uh, or like Kevin Love, both of whom withdrew from their sports because of mental health issues and the way that society reacted to them as mm -hmm. if they owe us their body and mind mm -hmm. was something that like it that was like for me those moments were like big aha moments in terms of like oh you know you talk about how you can't see like a cast when you're depressed i'm like i can see what's happening there in the media so it was a very interesting way of um of, of seeing that kind of come to fruition. And when I think about that sort of thing, the first place I go to are some of the stereotypes that surround mental health. Mm -hmm. So we could, you know, we could have an entire podcast dedicated to the stereotypes surrounding mental health. Absolutely. Uh, but my question to you is which of the stereotypes uh, that surround mental health uh, is your least favorite and why? My least favorite stigma would be that the response always is like, oh, you have a mental health problem. And the response is like, oh, you're suffering. Just go seek help. Mm. Mm. Like it just seems so easy, right? Like, oh, well, you're you're in pain. Like if you were actually physically ill, you had a cold, you're going to go get medicine from the store. It's an easy fix. Mm. It's not. Mental health, as I mentioned, goes much deeper than just you can't solve it with some medicine. It can be developed in a recent time period. It could be trauma over a long period of time. So you have to, as a person, understand what mental health issue you're struggling with and then also have the courage to defeat the stigma that your friends and family are putting you into and actually being willing to seek the help. And I know that... I think, let me find my statistics here real quick. I know that there's one about, there's a lot of negative attitudes, obviously, towards seeking psychological help. That's in my men, Masculine Norms and Mental Health article. And in 2019, the percent of adults age 18 over with regular feelings of worry, nervousness, or anxiety was 11.2%, according to the CDC. Mm. So that just blows my mind with like a general statistic of that. And then within college students specifically, I think it was a third of them. Let me find wow. here that, yes, uh, it was extremely low. People who have mental health concerns each year, only a third of them actually seek professional help. Wow. It just makes me think when you say 11 percent. That's a minority, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it makes me think like we walked down the hallway to get here, right? 
<clears throat> excuse me, we walked down the hallway to get here and we passed 10 people. Yeah. So at least one of those people is struggling. And what you're telling me is that if we walk down a hallway and pass 30 people of the people who are struggling, only one of those 30 is going to be seeking the help. And, 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 you know, we could spend all day talking about like the availability of those sorts of resources and how, you know, some, some folks are quote unquote, not allowed to seek help. It makes me think of uh, the, the research of Dr. Olga Davis, who I've mentioned before, she specifically looks at um, black men and, and their mental health issues, and she looks at the barbershop mm. as a uh, you know as a way in which those individuals can use disclosure uh, in a, in an environment where they might not be able to seek to seek uh, uh, help because of the stigma surrounding it. So I, I think that that's a really I, I didn't think that was the direction you were going to go with, but I'm glad you did because like this idea of like, oh, just get help. Well, everybody experiences something like depression or anxiety differently, right? Yeah. Some people need or want medication. Some people need or want somebody to talk to and, and know to. And that's, I think, what's so tricky, right, about the struggles that folks encounter with mental health is that a broken leg is a broken leg, right? Yeah. But everybody approaches and experiences these mental health issues differently. And there's simply not enough research or science on the issue. Absolutely. Cause mm. yeah, there's a, we know how to fix a broken leg, right? We know the process, the surgeries that need to go into it, but mental health is different for every single person. And yeah, like you said, medicine works for some, it doesn't work for others. Sometimes it takes time to figure out what combination of medications do work. And they're still suffering during that entire figuring out period after they've already taken that first step of, I do need help. Right. Yeah. And so it's not just, oh, you should go seek help, mm -hmm. right? It's you need to maintain the help and you need to make sure that you're you're working with somebody who's who you're comfortable with. Right? You can't just like open someone's brain and start pushing the buttons on their amygdala to make things work in the way that you would like open someone's leg and start, you know, reconnecting tissue or I don't know. I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Different kind of doctor. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's get a little bit into your work. Right. Okay. So a lot of your work is uh, involved in media representation. And that's something that we've actually talked about numerous times on this show through a stigma standpoint, through a mass comm standpoint. Um, how do you, you know, in your expert opinion, how has how have you seen mental health being discussed in the media in the past? And how, if at all, have you seen any kind of narrative shift in recent years? So kind of a two parter. Yes. Um, mental health has been a stigma for many years and you'll see it in various TV shows and it's usually the give them a good old pat on the back and you're going to be fine. Very like, ah, it's just, you know, having a rough week and toughen up. Yeah. Toughen up, mm -hmm. which goes into my stereotypes of masculine norms. Right. And so uh, within that, there are 11 different masculine norms, winning, emotional control, risk taking, violence, dominance, playboy, self-reliance, primacy of work, power over women, disdain for homosexuals, and the pursuit of status. And mm. those are all um, recent from Mahalik 2003. Mm. Um, I only looked at three of them in my dissertation because I did not have time to write. I, I was going to say, did you look at all <laughs> no, 11 of those? No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> um, so I focus on winning emotional control, which is actually mm. lack of emotional control, and reliance, self-reliance. And so within that, I looked at only um, the four Avengers movies specifically, and then I narrowed it down again even further to look at only Thor and Tony Stark. Okay, and they are, for those who are unfamiliar, I mean, they are 
two, you know, ends at two sides of the same coin as it pertains to like the representation of masculinity. You know, you've got Thor, who is quite literally a god, played by Chris Hemsworth, who is gorgeous. And then you've got the other side, Robert Downey Jr., billionaire, uh, playboy, machismo, uh, traditionally handsome, aggressive, and opinionated. Right. So yes. okay. So just to set that scene. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so with those, they already had what you listed several different stereotypes mm -hmm. of what it's like to be a masculine man. Mm -hmm. You have to be good looking. You have to be able to have money and power and show that off. And so within those specifically, um, I looked at those characters because Tony starts out the entire series. I looked at the 22 movies. So 2008, we start with mm -hmm. Tony Stark. And then we gained Thor about 2011. I believe it's his first movie. And so they've worked together in various movies as we progress. And they're together in the Avengers when we first see. And the big stereotype begins of a power control of mm -hmm. who's going to be the leader of the Avengers. And who's going to be the alpha male. Exactly. Yeah. And so you see that when they have the fight when we first meet Bruce Banner mm -hmm. and Captain America mm -hmm. and then the stereotype of this is the way it's always been done. Thank you, Captain America. <laughs> versus Tony being like, yeah, we have all this technology, so we're going to do it my way. And mm. so they butt heads and then they have their own movie, Civil War. But that's not the point of what I'm trying to get at. When we're going through these characters specifically and focusing on mental health and their masculine norms, we can see the shift in the different Avengers movies when we start out of how they build as a team and how they progress as a team as well. So we see um, different characters and how they develop when their relationships. We see Tony and how he actually learns to appreciate Pepper, not just what she does, but who she is as a person. And she is a very supportive role to him mm -hmm. throughout his movies. And then with Thor, he has Jane. That was a whole disaster. Eventually we get back to that as well. Uh, but throughout Thor's time, he has a lot of loss. So he loses his father, his mm -hmm. mother, his brother multiple times. And Although somehow he never really loses Loki, does he? I know. He? Well, somehow then in Infinity Loki, War... Well, yeah, yeah, he's around, but he's not. But he is, but, but he's he not. Exactly. I don't know. Um, and so within all of that, at the very end of Infinity War, like Thor reaches a breaking point of like where he's actually lost. He was not able to follow through, be the tough guy, and actually kill Thanos. Like he did not right. do that, which was the end goal. And then Tony is on a different planet trying to solve another problem. Mm -hmm. And so they're very polar opposites, different issues in that regard, but still trying to be the strongest leader that they possibly can be. And so within that, we see different aspects of failing mental health. When Tony finally gets back to Earth in Avengers Endgame, he has a full mental breakdown that we see in that movie. And people are trying to get him back. And he eventually comes back and realizes he has to step up to the plate in order to take on that leadership role because the rest of the team is still broken. Right. So Tony has a very short but quick turnaround of like we see the break in mental health, mm -hmm. but we don't see him actually seek help to fix the problem. He just steps up to the role again because right. that's what his expectation is. Whereas Thor, we see a physical change as well. Yeah. And so there's, again, this the stereotype. Everyone calls him Fat Thor, right? Fat Thor, of Fat course. Thor. And now it's a whole meme and there's Halloween costumes. But behind it, the stereotype of mental health is so prominent and there we are minimizing it again. Right. And so within that, we see him drinking excessively. We see he's gained weight. We see him playing video games and only hang out with people that are going to think the same way as him. Right. And so his friends do reach out to him, as we see in Endgame, but he doesn't accept the help. So again, not seeking help, help still being offered, but he has to make that decision to actually seek the help eventually. 
And so when we finally get to them going back in time, we have that epic moment where he is able to talk to his mom and finally realizes that he was never unworthy. Right. Even though he was depressed and it was very obvious. So he reaches out his arm, hammer comes to him and he just starts sobbing. And that was the moment that I wanted to know more about. As someone who had studied mental health, I wanted to see more like we have talked it through. We've had all of our friends and family support us. We realized we were never unworthy, but then the conversation ended. Mm. Yeah. And and so like, there's a couple of things that stand out to me there. The first one is the physical representation of his depression in transforming into Fat Thor, which I think is in some ways useful, right? Because it provides us with like a, a vantage point of, I can see his depression. Yes. Right. But I also, I, I'm torn because... They could have kept, you can be sexy and depressed. Yeah. You can be both of those things. And I think that it does a disservice to say, because it, it, it reinforces some of those masculine stereotypes. If you are in shape, it means you've got your stuff together. And that's not necessarily always the case. So at the end of the day, I, <clears throat> I, I have mixed feelings about that. But I think that the point that you make about the difference between having help offered versus, um, uh, you know, seeking out help and the interplay between the two, because, you know, people can offer to you all day if you don't if you don't take it or you could be seeking it. And if it's nowhere to be found, either of those disagreements can dramatically, uh, uh, you know, damage uh, uh, the the person's psyche. And although I think, you know, Marvel did some. Good moves there. I think it was obviously in in many ways also lacking. Yeah, I was glad that they actually pointed out that, you know, you didn't become unworthy because he had gained weight and Mm -hmm. didn't fall through with meeting the masculine norm that he was supposed Mm -hmm. to be held up to. But it was okay in the end. And so I was proud that they acknowledged that that is something that we can talk about, but there wasn't enough of the conversation. And even in some of their shows after now, I'm like, I want them to have this conversation more because they're such a big platform. They could have such an impact. Mm. And I just don't see them making an impact on changing the narrative. I know they have to stick to their stereotypes of their comic books, but it's now modern. You can make some changes. They've already made changes to outfits. You can make changes (laughs) to the conversation as well. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that like when you have a breakthrough, Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that your depression is cured, right? Like that's simply just not how it works. Um, one of the ways it does work is through the formation and maintenance of healthy, quote unquote, healthy relationships. So the last question that I have for you today is how do you think that maintaining, forming, developing, uh, meaningful relationships can, um, aid in, or perhaps, uh, detract from a person's mental health and just overall well being? Yeah, absolutely. It can be a great thing or it can be a detrimental thing, as you mentioned. So within mental health specifically, and if you're struggling with that, relationships are always going to be a two-way street. So my advice, I guess, would be to choose yourself, but also be willing to choose your partner. Like mm-hmm. you need to be able to understand where they're coming from and not just do the good old boy, pat in the back, mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. Have the conversation and those communication styles that are going to vary person to person and understand their nonverbals as well, because they might not be gaining weight physically, but you can see that if they're putting out this extra emotion to try to be thoughtful for you, but you're not refilling their cup, Mm -hmm. then you're going to always have a struggle. And that can lead to some toxic relationships of them always taking and taking and taking and you always giving and giving and giving. And then that can lead to some very 
different ways of relationships potentially ending and potential mental health issues as well. Yeah, it makes me think of, and I, I talk about this with my students, um, equity theory and, yes. and the idea of, you know, if I'm putting in an eight, and getting back a four mm -hmm. and I turn around and my partner's putting in a two and getting back a, a nine, mm -hmm. I'm going to feel like I'm in a, 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 an imbalanced relationship. Yeah. And that can unfortunately exacerbate some of the issues that I'm already going through. Now, on the other hand, if, I, if I'm putting out an eight and getting back a four and my partner's doing the same, mm -hmm. we may still be in a rough spot. We may still feel like it's, it's tough, but at least we can look at the other person, right? Yeah. And say... I know you're putting a lot into this and I am as well. And just knowing that can ground you through rough patches and turbulent, uh, you know, episodes um, and hopefully, you know, produce a, a stronger, more salient uh, solution to that. But I think I think you bring up a really important point of like. Yeah, we need to certainly value the other person, but we also need to make sure that we fill up our cup as well because exactly. working on our mental health is something that other folks can help us with mm -hmm. and also something that we can attack even if it's just a trickle at first. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, mental health is not just mental. It's also the physical, emotional, spiritual well-being that you have to take care of. Yeah. And I think it's also important to, to recognize that it manifests in different ways. Absolutely. You know, I mean, like me personally... If I'm feeling down, although it can be tough, like I'll go to the gym, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go shoot some hoops, mm -hmm. um, I'll go outside, I'll go for a walk with my dogs. Um, my partner takes a bath. <laughs> That's what she wants to do. She wants to take a bath. And like me, I'm bouncing around the apartment. I'm like, you ready to go for this walk? And she's like, oh, I do not want to go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. And I think just acknowledging that uh, those differences in our relationships, be they partnerships, friendships, or even family relationships, yeah. I, I think acknowledging those sorts of things is meaningful because it, it teaches us that you don't have to have everything in common with someone in order to have a healthy relationship. And indeed, I would argue that if you do have everything uh, in common with another person, it's probably an unhealthy characteristic. It's probably a symptom of insecure attachment style, yeah. which of course we've talked about on the show in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, we have just a couple of minutes left. Okay. Um, next time we're going to be talking about healthy relationships. So I'm wondering, <sighs> I'm wondering if, if you can give maybe your one minute, uh, lecture on, what that phrase toxic relationship means to you and what the difference is between like a toxic relationship and a healthy relationship. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just do that in one minute if okay. you could. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think that toxic relationships is that, as I mentioned, kind of that draining aspect of the per the partner is only taking um, and they're not understanding that it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. Um, and healthy relationships, as you mentioned, they can't be, you know, you have everything in common, but you have enough in common to be able to have a foundation mm. and be able to grow together as well. You're not just taking, you're also giving and you're growing yourself and your partner and your relationship together and through that growing you're able to make sure that each other does stay healthy you're showing that you care it's the thoughtfulness that goes into a relationship that I think maintains the healthy relationship and also grows you as a person yeah and I think that a lot of the time 
we I've said this before on the show, and we'll talk more about it on the series finale, but the term toxic, oh, that relationship is toxic. It gets overused a little bit mm -hmm. because we can't separate our, ourselves from the fact that people sometimes don't do what we want them to do, you know? Yes. And so I think it's often used as like a cudgel where we're like, oh, that person, my ex was toxic. I had to get out of that relationship where it's like, oh, are you sure that's what was going on? Or were they experiencing some issues that you weren't equipped to deal with mm -hmm. and you ran? Not that yeah. that's necessarily always the worst thing to do yeah but I, I I think it's kind of like what you're getting at this idea of like holding yourself responsible and also recognizing like these societal and social constraints in which you're operating yeah there are certain expectations for men and women in different types of relationships again those stereotypes those masculine and feminine norms they're very present and they're expected of you in leadership positions as well as in relationships as well as with family norms as well like who's the one that does cooking for thanksgiving right me it's yes, me. Yes, yes. i'm the one who's cooking for thanksgiving for sure <laughs> well on that note we will be finishing up with a talk on like what even is a healthy relationship but that's for next time okay so for now thank you so much alicia for joining the pod much appreciated thank you for having me anytime anytime and i may have to knock on your door again in the not too distant future sounds good but for now we are done uh we're going to be finishing up by talking about relational health broadly next time. And next season, I've got quite the idea. Okay. So I might be giving you a holler for that one, but Great. no secrets yet. Okay. For now, one more to go. <laughs> You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.